Welcome back to Throne Hands. As Daniel and I will be reviewing Fight Night, Covington versus Woodley. Daniel, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Jacob. It's been a beautiful Tuesday morning in Morgantown, West Virginia, and I'm excited to talk about some UFC. Yes. Um, so I want our fantasy matchup. I'm just going to show off there a little bit. You did. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We're going to talk about this for a minute. Okay. I started Naeem Hines, who was outtouched 28-1 to 1 by Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> If I start literally any other running back in my lineup, I am well clear in this in this fantasy matchup. Well, so here let, let let's just put that on the table first. I started saying let's also Watt. put on, let's let's also put on the table that Michael Thomas was out this week. So I'm not trying to make excuses. What I'm saying is, if you're playing the long game, Fitzmagic's chain, as managed by Daniel Woods, is the <laughs> team to bet on here. That's all I'm saying. We figured some things out in the first two weeks. We've got the running back lineup nailed down we've got the rotation nailed down and then you move on from there you get a michael thomas healthy in a couple weeks we're ready to roll we're headed for the playoffs the 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 wagon is loading up it's just a matter if you people are gonna hop on that is the that is the matter at hand okay (laughs) let me say something sammy i started sammy watkins okay (laughs) yeah Yeah, one touch Uh, well, yeah, it was the same thing for Naeem Hines. He was your flex. He was my running back, too. Dude, I should have started I'm, – I'm, I think I'm going to start John Brown now. Like, he's good. I mean, I mean, why not? Like, he, honestly, all right. Let, let's get to some Let's get to some mixed, mixed martial arts. First match. Yeah, that's, first what match. People, that's what the people are here to hear about anyway. All right, let's talk about Kevin Holland versus Darren Stewart. Kevin Holland really putting out the output on Darren Stewart, picking his strikes, but Darren Stewart almost won that, uh, almost made it a draw with that nearly 10-8 third round. I probably would have scored that one 10-8. He got three, Darren Stewart with three takedowns. I mean, he, he did his job there in the third round to almost uh, close the gap. What were your thoughts on this one? You you hit the nail on the head. It was Ke- all Kevin Holland for the first two rounds. And then Darren Stewart did everything in his power uh, to try to at least turn that into a draw in round three. But again, it was Kevin Holland just doing what Kevin Holland does. And that's uh, keeping the pressure up with strikes. Outstruck uh, Darren Stewart 163 to 97, 74 to 57 on significant strikes. Uh, so, I mean, Kevin Holland is – like I said, one of my MVPs of 2020, and he proved it again against Darren Stewart. And he proved that he's not just a guy that has to go out and knock people out in the first round. He proved that he's got the stamina to keep up with guys. He proved he's got the ground game to work around guys like Darren Stewart who can land three takedowns on him. So I was, I was relatively impressed with this fight because it was a different kind of fight than we've seen Kevin Holland have most of this year, and he was still able to thrive, obviously struggled in that third round but he was still able to thrive and come away with a decision win. Yeah, I mean, I'm really not going to add anything to that. I think Kevin Holland, he he definitely did lose that third round. He wasn't pleased with his performance either. He told Dana White, hey, I, I kind of lost that fight at the end there. So 
I think Kevin Holland's in the right mindset when it comes to uh, his performance. Maybe he, he'll tighten up third rounds after this fight. But I'm excited to see where Kevin Holland goes and on to where these people go. What, what do you think is next for Darren Stewart? I think Darren Stewart's in a great position because while he's probably not going to get a ranked fighter anytime soon, he's put himself in a place to where he's an established name who can challenge people that need challenge. I think that's that's a massive step forward for him. So I don't know who the next opponent for him would be. That's that's always a tough proposition for unranked guys coming off losses to figure out where the UFC is going to put them next because you never really know what the UFC thinks about their stock. So I don't want to put a name to Darren Stewart quite yet just because I don't know what the UFC thinks they have in him right now. Yeah, I think you make a good point. I think we'll get another guy for Darren Stewart along the lines of Kevin Holland about the about the, where he's at right now because I think Darren Stewart did prove that, hey, he could have won that fight if it was a little longer. So on to Kevin Holland, I think we'll see him get somebody ranked. I think he's proven himself enough. I'll, I can't say who he'll get that's ranked. Maybe Akhmadov, something along those lines. But I don't know. What are your thoughts? I think that would be a good move for him. Somebody towards the back end of that top 15. Uh, he's called out Marvin Vittori in the past. Marvin Vittori's angling for a fight with Chris Weidman, as we talked about for the preview for this uh, card. But I think, uh, I think Kevin Holland and Marvin Vittori would be an outstanding fight. That's something I would like to see happen. And Vittori's a guy that's in the top 15 at number 14. So I think that would be a good matchup for Kevin Holland. I don't know if it's a match that gets made because it's something Kevin Holland really wants but Vittori has really shown no interest in, in putting that matchup together. But you never know. You know. Never say never when it comes to the UFC. That's that's what I've learned when it comes to matchmaking. For sure. All right, on to the next matchup of the night. I don't think this really surprised any of us. Mackenzie Dern uh, came away in the first round with three, three minutes and 44 seconds in with an arm bar. And I don't know what Randa Marcos was doing in that fight because she just said, hey, let's go down with – arguably the best jiu-jitsu practitioner in this division. And I don't know, Ronda Marcos really just, she could have made Mackenzie Dern stand up and stand and fight. But I don't know, this was a really interesting decision by Ronda Marcos. And Mackenzie Dern looked quite good. What were your thoughts? Yeah, Ronda Marcos is predominantly a wrestler. That's the way that she generally makes her money in the UFC. But against Mackenzie Dern, you do not want to take the fight to the ground. That's the last thing you want to do because she's just going to destroy you there. And five submission attempts uh, in, in three minutes and 44 seconds for Mackenzie Dern is ridiculous. She obviously locks in that arm bar. Performance of the night winner. She looked great. She looked like every bit of the, the highly touted jiu-jitsu fighter that we've seen her uh, made out to be her entire UFC career. And she's just been so dominant in her last couple fights. This, this arm bar against Mackenzie Dern, uh, the – the, the leg submission in her last fight, she's looked really good. And I think we're going to see her probably uh, take a jump up from that number 15 ranking that she's got right now. Obviously, she took some time off uh, to, to, you know, go through her pregnancy and everything. But I think Mackenzie Dern is going to be a force to be reckoned with, and I think she's going to be in that position soon. Yeah, and speaking of positions, we're going to talk about what's next for uh, Ronda Marcos. I think we could see her become a gatekeeper in the strawweight division. I think she's a solid challenge for any up-and-comer that wants to try to get into this top 15. So I think I think that's a good thing. What do you think? That makes a lot of sense. I think that's the, the biggest thing for Ronda Marcos is she's past the point in her career 
where she's going to be a title challenger, where she's even going to be, you know, a top 15 challenger. But I think she has a, a very clear place on this roster as somebody that can be a stiff challenge for these up-and-coming prospects uh, that the UFC really needs to, to give a chance uh, when it comes to women's MMA because we've seen these divisions stagnate a little bit over the last year. And I think Ronda Marcos uh, can be somebody that can not necessarily be a star-making opponent, but an opponent that if one of these prospects comes up through the rankings and can say they knocked off Ronda Marcos on their way up, I think that is a really big thing you can put on your resume as an up-and-coming MMA fighter uh, in, in the women's strawweight division. So I think that's the role we'll see Ronda Marcos get into. I'm not even going to add anything to that. So for Mackenzie Dern, I think I think the fight we all want to see is Dern versus Hebus. I, that's the fight I want to see. You might maybe a Tisha Torres fight, but Hebus is the fight Dana wants, I'm sure, and that's the fight we want. What do you think? Exactly. Mackenzie Dern, Amanda Hebus would be just an absolute war on the ground, and I'm here for it. All righty. So to the next matchup of the night, Johnny Walker versus Ryan Spann. Johnny Walker got wobbled by Ryan Spann early in the fight. But Johnny Walker came back. 26 of his 30 strikes were significant, and he really just put the pounding on Ryan Spann. What were your thoughts on this one? You know, I came into this fight pretty low on Johnny Walker. He's a guy that obviously was an outstanding prospect in light heavyweight division not that long ago and had just not looked very good in his last few fights. Uh, But Ryan Spann was a guy coming in with a lot of momentum, uh, with uh, a lot of opportunity, uh, and a lot of promise in his UFC career. And that promise is still there. But Johnny Walker was pretty clearly the superior fighter in this one. Lands 30 strikes in 242, 26 significant. Outlands uh, Ryan Spann 30 to 10 in total, 26 to 7 in significant. Uh, And despite getting taken down twice in that time period, uh, was able to recover and just put him down with that knockout. So, I mean, Johnny Walker – Looks like he's getting back to the point that he was when he was, you know, so highly regarded in this light heavyweight division. And with, obviously, John Jones moving up to heavyweight, uh, some things still needing shaken out in this division, this is the time to be hitting your stride as a light heavyweight. And if Johnny Walker can do that, then he's absolutely a force to be reckoned with in this division and absolutely a guy you have to watch out for moving forward. Yeah, I can't disagree with anything you said there. And speaking of moving forward, we're going to talk about what's next for these guys. So I think for Ryan Spann, I think we'll see him still get somebody in the top 15, but obviously somewhere uh, maybe 13 to 15. I think Magomed Ankalev would be a good good fight for Ryan Spann. What are your thoughts? That's a good fit. I, I think Ryan Spann is maybe maybe wasn't ready for this far of a jump uh, in talent, but he, he's still somebody in that top 15. Uh, he's going to stay where he is in terms of rankings at number 12. I think I agree with you. Ankaliyev would be an interesting matchup for him. Uh, somebody that's just a well-rounded fighter uh, that Ryan Spann can kind of go out there, work some kinks out against, and probably I would say take home a win. And as for Johnny Walker, I think, I think, I think a good fight for him would be Anthony Smith because Anthony Smith, you know, he, he's, I think they'll probably try to pair Anthony Smith up with a guy who, who, is not as good as him, so he can get a win. And Johnny Walker, I, th- I mean, I think he could definitely beat Anthony Smith with his length. So I think that's the fight to make, and I think they get a, lot, a nice main event card right there. What do you think? I think Johnny Walker and Anthony Smith would be a great fight. Uh, and I think that's probably the fight we're going to see. And like you said, I think that can be a fight night main event. 
the fight that I would want to see in this situation might just be Johnny Walker against Yuri Prochaska. And I get that the UFC has really big plans for Yuri Prochaska moving forward in the slight heavyweight division. But you put those two guys in the octagon across from each other, and it's going to be absolute fireworks. And I think that would be one of the most fun fights to watch of the entire year if you were able to put those guys together before the end of 2020. I don't think it's going to happen because I think Prochaska is on another trajectory right now. But if you were to take Johnny Walker and Yuri Prochaska and match them up, I would watch that fight. I don't know how much money I would pay for that fight. It would be a lot. Yeah, it would be a lot of money. And I also pay a lot of money for that spelling bee between the two of them. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see you can perform on the stage. All righty. So not much to talk about here. Uh, Hamzat Shemaev coming against Gerald Mearshart. They circled the octagon once. Shemaev straight right to Gerald Mearshart's jaw, knocks him out. What were your thoughts? Uh, I mean – all that you can really say about this fight is how dominant Hamza Shemaev was. I mean, just absolute domination in this fight. Like we said, uh, 17 seconds, boom, one punch, gone. Like, we're talking about a guy that is one of already one of the best wrestlers in the UFC, and he's got hands like that. That's not fair. That's just not fair. Like, I sent you uh, the, the tweet. The, the, the meme that, uh, that Laura Sanko uh, from UFC on ESPN uh, posted after that fight. And it's the, freak, it's the family guy cutaway gag from like Noah's Ark. And it's got the, the, the penguin and the, the, the elephant. It's Noah saying, what the hell is this? And it's got uh, literally a penguin body with an elephant head. And the elephant is Khabib Nurmagomedov. And the penguin is, is Conor McGregor. And then, like, the, the mixture animal, whatever you want to call it, is Kamsa Jemayev. And that's exactly what this is. That's exactly what he's proven to be. It's like, obviously, it's hyperbole, but he's Khabib Nurmagomedov's wrestling with Conor McGregor's hands, which is terrifying. That is absolutely terrifying that there is somebody with that kind of ability. And he's fought three times in the UFC and has not been even remotely challenged. I mean, we're talking about a guy that how many strikes have been landed against him in the UFC? Four? Four. Four. Four strikes have been landed against this guy in three fights. That's insane. It's, it's, it's something to note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I just, I just want to see somebody who could challenge Shemaev. I think if he didn't land that punch, I think Mirshaw would have given him a challenge. But, hey, Shemaev did what he had to do and just landed a punch to knock him out. So, all right, Joe Mirshaw, uh, I don't know what's next for this dude. He's kind of been on the downhill ever since the end of the UFC. And I think he's, he's not – I think he could be a gatekeeper-esque type of dude, but I don't really know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Mirshaw, uh, like you said, very highly touted coming to the UFC – Never really panned out uh, as, as a, a contender in this division. But he's a guy with a place on the roster. He's a guy that's got so much experience. He's going to be able to throw any kind of challenge you want at an up-and-comer. I think he's not, necess- he's not by any means a top 15 guy, but he's got a place on the roster. He's got a place uh, where he's uh, got a clear-cut role, and he's going to be able to, I would say, operate in it pretty nicely. Yeah, definitely. And for um, Shemaev, I think they've – they said Damian Maya is his next opponent, but I don't 
I don't know. It's it's a really interesting situation for him because he's he's they're kind of like uh, seesawing him between welterweight and middleweight. So, what are your thoughts on what's next for him? Uh, I think it, it, he would be a small middleweight is the thing that concerns me. So, I could prob I would prefer to see him at welterweight just because I think that's where his his potential would be best utilized, and that's where he's going to fight against uh, Damian Maya, obviously, and that's going to be a pretty big test for him because we're talking about a guy that's unranked uh, coming off this fight against Joan Mearshart, jumping up and taking on the number seven, number seven challenger uh, in the, in the welterweight division, which I would say in terms of depth is one of the more underrated divisions in the UFC. So I think you have to test Jemayev in a big way. And I think Damian Maya is going to be a big test for him. So I'm excited to see this fight. Obviously, by my little rant there a minute ago, I love Kamsan Chimaev. I think he is going to be an outstanding contender for the UFC in not that long of a time. And facing off with Damian Maia and taking that big of a step forward in competition, if he can win that, that's going to launch this guy to the freaking stars. Oh, definitely. So I think, I think you and I can already agree on this, but I think what, what do you think his ceiling is? Uh, world champion. Yeah, obviously. But I think I think he can definitely be a belt holder. He's not going to be like a Dos Anjos who defends it once and then uh, loses the belt. I think he can become somebody who can defend the belt four, five, six, seven times. I don't know. Do you think he could get that potential? I think so. I mean, he's proven so far to look like a guy that you create in freaking career mode in, in one of the UFC video games. Why not? What? Why not pull off something like that? I mean, he's been so dominant uh, so far, and and he just looks like it. Watching it looks like a video game when you watch this guy. And I can see him having that kind of potential where he is a multi-time belt defender, maybe even a multi-time champion. And what we've talked about with him at middleweight, maybe a multi-divisional champion at some point. I think Kamzo Chimaev, the way he has fought in his first three UFC fights, unless something changes, looks to be the next guy to kind of step up to that transcendent level. And that's really high praise, but I think it's something that's definitely possible with the way his career is moving right now. Oh, definitely. So I'm not going to add anything to that. Uh, on to the next bout of the evening, Donald Cowboy Cerrone versus Nico Price. Uh, a majority draw, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, Nico Price was deducted one point uh, for poking Cowboy in the eye twice in the first round and not closing his closing his hand to a fist. But Don Cowboy Sorrenti said something really interesting at the press conference. He said he lost that fight because it was a draw and that he believes that his roster uh, places uh, uh, not uh, guaranteed anymore. We'll get into that a little later, but what were your thoughts on this fight? Yeah, Nico Price, I thought, won this fight other than, obviously, other than the, the point loss for the eye poke. So... You love to see Donald Cowboy Cerrone still out there. And you love to see just the personality and the, the, the spirit that he brings to the fight. But Nico Price beat the hell out of him for three rounds. I, I mean, Cowboy was competitive and he stayed in the fight. But Nico Price just, I mean, it seemed like a matter of time before he put his lights out. And, and Donald Cerrone has such a great chin that that never happened. But I, I just 
I, I don't know what you do with Cowboy right now because he's lost five fights in a row. Obviously, he's the most tenured guy on the roster. He's fought more than anyone else in the UFC. And you don't want to take a guy like that and cut him from the roster. Like, Donald Cowboy Cerrone deserves better than just to be cut from the roster. But I don't know what you do with him at this point because he's, what, 37? He's so far past his prime, and he's lost five fights in a row. Like, there's nothing left for him to do in the UFC, but he clearly wants to keep fighting. So you're stuck between a rock and a hard place here. But I will give Nico Price credit. If it were not for those eye pokes, I think he clearly won this fight. I think he clearly was the better fighter on Saturday. And I think he's somebody to watch out for going forward because he obviously had that, that fight that he lost against Vicente Luque where he still looked pretty good coming out of that one. And then the silver lining of this one with the draw against Donald Cerrone, he looked great in this one as well. So Nico Price, again, maybe a little bit under the radar because his last two fights have been a loss and a draw, but he's looked really good in that time. And I think he's a guy to look out for a little bit going forward. Yeah, definitely. And I'm going to talk about Cowboy a little bit. His last five losses come to first with Ferguson, then Gaethje, then Connor, And then, you know, Pettis, who, who hasn't really been around too much in the past five years when it comes to uh, being competitive in any division. And then he lost, he probably lost his fight to Nico Price. So it's kind of, it's, it's not, I just don't want Cowboy to, I'm trying to think of how to piece together these words. I don't want him to be like a Chuck Liddell in a sense where it's just kind of sad to see him go. I'd want him to leave when he's healthy. And I think honestly the best time for him to leave would be now because he, he got, he got the hell beat out of him against Nico Price. And I just don't want to see Cowboy, you know, just get knocked out cold at 38. It's not something I want to see. So, uh, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. I don't. I mean, he's got he's got a great life set up for himself outside the UFC. We've seen his family. We've seen what what he has uh, with with his his ranch and everything. I think it's time for for Donald Cerny to ride off into the sunset. You, you hate to say that, but you want to see your heroes have a happy ending. And well you know, a majority draw against Nico Price isn't necessarily like the happiest of endings. You want to see Donald Cowboy Cerrone be able to go into the rest of his life and be happy doing that. And I think this seems like a good point for a clean break where he would be able to do that. Yeah, I think it's time to send his career off to the farm uh, where all the dogs go. So I think Nico Price, I think we see him get somebody uh, ranked. I think, hey, maybe a Robbie Lawler fight or a Showtime Pettis fight. What do you think? Yeah, I think, I think you put Nico Price up against somebody that's an older fighter, uh, somebody on the backside of their career. Uh, because, like I said, uh, Price hasn't obviously hasn't won his last couple fights, but he's looked outstanding. He's in a position where he can take on a guy that is towards that back end of the top 15. And I think he'll be able to compete with them. And I think he'll be able – to kind of get himself on track when it comes to winning fights if he goes up against somebody that is not necessarily a star anymore, a previous star of the game, and Nico Price can get in there, go up against them, and really prove himself against somebody that is an established fighter in the UFC. All right, you nailed the nail on the head there, uh, Daniel. So we're going to head to the main event of the evening. 
Colby Covington versus Tyron Woodley. This this didn't surprise me whatsoever. Colby Covington getting the TKO in the fifth round because Tyron Woodley broke his rib. I don't know if you saw that X-ray, yes. but Colby Covington significantly outlanding Tyron Woodley, 232 strikes to 67, and outlanding him with significant strikes, 78 to 34. This was just a dominating fashion, mixing in wrestling with his boxing. I couldn't, you couldn't have asked for a better performance from Colby Covington. What are your thoughts? Yeah, this was a Colby Covington we've been used to seeing over the last couple of years. And, and that's a really good thing for the UFC when it just comes to marketability in this division uh, because everything's coming together uh, for, uh, this, uh, for this welterweight division to be absolutely outstanding uh, moving forward into early 2021. So the fact that Colby came away with the win here and looked so good in doing it and was so dominant against Tyron Woodley, finishing it in the fifth round, was, I think, a huge step for the UFC plans in this division because I think there's going to be some major fireworks in the UFC welterweight division moving forward just because of the nature of the guys at the top of this division. I mean, uh, Kamar Usman is the champion. He's one of the best fighters in the world. Gilbert Burns is still waiting for that shot. You've got Colby at number two. Leon Edwards has been left out in the cold, it seems, 47 times when it comes to title shots in the welterweight division, but he's going to get it eventually. You've got Jorge Masvidal lurking in the shadows right now. So I think Colby's win makes this welterweight division absolutely must-watch television anytime anybody towards the top of this division comes on your screen. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. And it it's a really interesting title picture. But before we get to the title picture here, I think Tyron Woodley should uh, hang him up. I don't, I don't see him winning fights. He he's he said lost. There's, he said there's no plans to retire. Uh, but I, I think he should reconsider that thought because, out of his last three fights, he's lost every single round. <laughs> so that's, that's not good. It's not it's, good. It's not good. It's not and, good. And they've all I, been main events as well, right? Yeah, they've all been main events. Fifteen and, rounds in a row. Yeah, this is not, not not good. And I think Chael Sonnen made a really good point. He isn't. He hasn't lost quickness, but he just doesn't look like Tyron Woodley. There's no aggression. <clears throat> no, he's not. There's no aggression f- in his fights. No, he he's tentative, and that's what I'm concerned about. You can't be 38 years old and tentative because you're just gonna get the, get, get the absolute crap beat out of you. So it's kind of in, it's really concerning for Tyron Woodley. And D- Dana White even said he should hang him up. So I think he should hang him up. What do you think? Yeah, Tyron Woodley, obviously a guy that you love to watch fight when he was in his prime, a guy that was one of the best fighters in the world in his prime, but he's not in his prime anymore. And it's kind of similar to what we talked about with Donald Cerrone. You you don't want to see your heroes just get absolutely battered when it comes to the end of their career. And that looks like the trajectory that Tyron Woodley's on right now. And you don't want to see that happen. So he's Got a major injury here with the broken rib. He's 38 years old, like you said. He's coming off three straight losses. This seems like a good time for Tyron Woodley to say, hey, you know what? It's been a hell of a career. I was a a champion. I defended the belt. I was one of the best fighters in the world. And I'm just going to finish it with my dignity here today. But he said that's not in the plans. So I don't know what to make of this. Because I want to see, I want to see Tyron Woodley 
like I said, with Donald Cerrone, right off into the sunset, dignity intact, legacy intact. But he doesn't see it that way. He sees himself as potentially getting back to that championship caliber. I, I think we should feed him to uh, Hamzat Shemaev and just teach him a lesson that, eight hey, finally is over. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean there, there were probably worse ways to go about it. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, think, I think you and I both agree he should probably hang it up. But to how this welterweight division pans out, so we have Usman versus Gilbert Burns coming up next. And depending on what happens there, I'm very curious to see who gets the next title shot or what other fighting, what other matches will be made. Leon Edwards, he's just been kind of hanging out there. Like yeah, you for said. his sake, I hope Leon Edwards gets the next title shot. Yeah, I hope so just, too. Just, just for Leon's sake, because he's been waiting so long. Yeah, but he hasn't fought in over a year. And that, that, that too. So he, yeah. he, I, think, I think the fight to make is uh, Masvidal Edwards, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. That'd and be that, an outstanding fight. I would love to see that. Yeah, and then whoever wins that fight, I think, should get the next title shot. And then Colby Covington, I think he, he fights the loser of Usman Burns, and then he whoever wins that fight gets the next title shot. I think that's how I see it going. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think there's definitely some, some fights that need to happen for this kind of cluster at the top of the division to be you know worked out. Colby looked great but hadn't fought in a while. Gilbert Burns has come out of nowhere this year. Uh, Leon Edwards, like you said, hasn't fought in over a year. Jorge Masvidal has recently challenged for the title. So uh, there's some fights that need to happen before it's cleared up beyond Gilbert Burns. Uh, but, I mean, it's an exciting time to watch the UFC, and it's an exciting time to watch the welterweights uh, just because there's so many guys that are world championship quality right now. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, that wraps up for our uh, fighting segment of the show. Do you have any news? I mean, other than Tyron Woodley saying he's not going to retire – not really, because that's 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 the only big story that's come out so far. Um, UFC veteran Stevie Ray uh, announced his retirement over the weekend. Uh, a guy that uh, fought for ten years, thirty years old, seven and four in the UFC, uh, so he's retiring from the fight game. Uh, I mean, good on him. Uh, made his money in the UFC and got out. So, you know, you love to see guys have success and then. Uh, and then move on uh, from from the game and, and be able to do it with their health intact. Yeah, definitely. So it was a solid, solid card of fights. You couldn't really complain there. Uh, dude, are you ready for Saturday? Yes, sir. I'm, All right. So we'll. I'm prepared. We'll, I am prepared. I'm going to be doing five hours of radio for the Touchdown City Tailgate as WVU takes on Oklahoma State. Listen to it on U92 The Moose. Uh, live on Saturday, 2.30 to whenever our post-game show is over when the game is over. But I will do five hours of radio, and then I'm going straight home to watch these fights because Saturday is going to be insanity, and I am fully prepared. And I am all for it. Well, thanks for coming back on, man. It was a good one. Absolutely, man, as always. All right, we will see you guys uh, for the uh, – Fight night, uh, no, UFC 254. Three, three. 253 preview. All right, guys, have a good one.